are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here with you on this Monday edition of the show. Football's back. Camp is open. Practices are happening. Pads go on today. Monday is the first padded practice, but we've got all kinds of reports to get into from the first couple of practices over the weekend. Who's on the field? Who's not on the field? Who has been performing well early? I know it's only a couple days, but... uh, it's going to be fun to overreact while we have just this limited amount of information until they start really uh, getting into games and we start seeing more action on the field. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Himalaya. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can email the show LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. Go to LockedOn49ers.com. You can find other articles as well as all of the podcasts. And if you want more of me, there's now double the Peacock because I am now officially permanent co-host of the Locked On NFL podcast. Just as I did as we ran through the week-long special for the NFL draft, myself and Matt Williamson now are permanently co-hosting the Locked On NFL podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, covering the league nationally here on the network. So I'm super excited about that today. Monday's episode is the first one. It's on. It's up. Check out the new Locked On NFL with myself and the scout, Matt Williamson, right after you get your fix of the 49ers here on this podcast. And for all your tax needs, go to Greg's Tax Service. They've been in business for 25 years. They're honest, straightforward, can help you with everything you need, all of your tax problems, including unfiled tax returns, back taxes, IRS collections, audit representation, Greg's Tax Service. Give them a call or go to their website for details, gregstaxservice.com. I know some of you either listened to, watched, or got some sort of a synopsis from the initial John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan opening press conference for training camp. But to cover who's on the field, who's not on the field yet, there are four players who were not cleared for practice yet. We'll start on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list. They are Jarek McKinnon, who's still recovering from his ACL surgery from the very end of the preseason last year. And John Lynch said he did have a little flare up, nothing major, I don't think. And, and he should be coming along here. But Jarek McKinnon still holding him out as he recovers from his ACL. Garrett Selleck still has that back injury. And it looks like it's going to be a long-term thing with him and potentially a career ender. But they did say he would be on that week six pup list. So don't expect him back until into the season when they might be able to recall him from the pup list after week six for those players who start the season on the pup. Weston Richburg, this one I think is a little bit frustrating for fans and a little bit concerning because that's your center. It's your starting center. And uh, he had off-season surgery on that knee that was bothering him all year last year. So they got to get that right. So, that's, you know, it's the smart thing to do, but he's still not ready to go. And they're hoping for week one there. Uh, and that could be something that lingers into the season because I don't know if week one is sort of, you know, they, they know for sure he's going to be ready for week one, possibly sooner, or if it's like at least week one. So Weston Richburg, that is definitely uh, the most concerning, I think, of all the injuries right now for the 49ers impacting what could actually 
you know, look like the starting roster for week one. And then Jimmy Ward, of course, who uh, banged up during the spring. And he's uh, just, uh, I think think they said he's like a week or two out. Maybe be ready for that second preseason game. Uh, To make up for some of those losses, the 49ers have signed a couple of players to replace a couple of guys who are out. Tight end Niles Paul, the veteran that has a history with Kyle Shanahan and knows the offense. And he'll come in and compete now. And uh, Kyle Shanahan basically said that he wanted to have six tight ends in camp. So it was nice for him to be able to get one more guy and, and a veteran player who could actually compete instead of just a camp body. And he basically said, look, there's there's always going to be a tight end on the field in his offense because they don't run four wide, five wide. There's almost always a tight end on the field, so they need at least three that are active, and they wanted six in camp. So Niles Paul is now one of those guys. And then guard-slash-center Dylan Day, who's a veteran. I think he's a 27-year-old veteran. He was last in Denver. Uh, he might be more of a camp body, but they needed an extra center with Weston Richburg not ready to go for camp. Uh, speaking of camp, I think the big news that happened in day two at camp on Sunday was a fight, a pair of fights, uh, both centering around rookie receiver Jalen Hurd. So two days into camp, things are getting heated. And by the way, it is hot in California. So uh, and actually, I think Bill put it best. He said it's hot, but players need to keep their cool. That's a that's a good call there. Uh, Jalen Hurd getting into it, not one, but two scuffles with 49ers DBs. The second with Dante Johnson, which ended up in a pile of players on the ground and other players involved trying to pull them off of each other. It was really funny. The reactions on Twitter is almost a Rorschach test when something like that happens and there's a fight and half the people are like, oh, what a dumb rookie can't be doing that. That's stupid to be doing that in unpadded practices in camp. And then there's the other half of the folks that see that like, yes, I love that. I don't care what happened. I love seeing some fight in our wide receivers. They needed a little bit more physicality, a little bit more uh, intensity with the wide receiver group. And it's funny because of the players the 49ers brought in this year at wide receiver, Jalen Hurd, who's a big physical guy, uh, you know, 6'4", 230 pounds. And then Jordan Matthews, who's always been a very tough player and a, a player that really works hard. And Debo Samuel got the nickname Debo for a reason, you know. So bully ball with those wide receivers that the 49ers brought in, which is interesting. I wonder if Kyle Shanahan saw that and thought, you know, we're a little bit too finesse at the wide receiver position, wanted to bring in some more tough guys. And certainly Jalen Hurd trying to prove he's that. And let's hear let's hear from Billy. He said... We have been so weak at wideout and DB. I don't care if it was too much. Both of those groups need to wake their asses up and start winning matchups. The hell with this choir boy act. This is grown man's football. Good job, Jalen. <laughs> and uh, real thoughts on Twitter responded with, I can't get mad at Hurd if the DBs were truly mad at him for blocking, quote, too hard. And yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it. I don't know how much extracurricular activity was going on there. But if it was just blocking and the DBs were mad about it, then yeah, maybe maybe you're right there. But uh, I have a feeling it's the rookie trying to come in and make you know his presence known on day one, day two of training camp. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But you never want to see guys go to the ground. And so I'm sure coach wasn't happy about that. Let's hear from the coach and how he felt about a fight going down on his field. It is more about them than it is about the team. I cannot play with them, cannot win with them, cannot coach with them, can't do it. I want winners. <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong coach. Yeah, anytime I get a chance to play that one, I want to take the opportunity. Let's hear from Kyle Shanahan about what went down Sunday with Jalen Hurd. 
I'm a little gray on it right now because I didn't actually see it. I saw the people on top of each other. Um, so I don't have a strong opinion yet on what led to it. But I don't like guys fighting at practice. I don't like punches thrown. Um, I like guys pissing each other off. I like guys competing. Um, but I think real toughness is controlling that because um, you're going to get penalties in the game and things like that. So fighting something I don't want to practice. I'd like guys to get as close as possible to fighting because that is the mentality of football. But that's got to be a controlled aggression. Um, if you can't control that, it's your liability. I think there's a few new guys out there today, so it gives me a bunch of good stuff to address probably um, tomorrow when I get with them for a team meeting. But, um, you know, if guys don't have to prove that they're tough by fighting people. If, if you're not tough, you're, I mean, we're going to know that. So are the players. You're not going to be on this team. So um, that is a very silly way to prove it, especially when you have helmets on. Yeah, that last part is also something I never really understood about football fights. Why would you punch somebody in the helmet? You know, it doesn't even make sense. Give them some some hooks to the body. Give them some rib shots if you really want to do something. Why would you just break your own hand punching somebody in the helmet? I understand the frustration getting mad. Also, go beat that person on the field and make them look really bad. Go posterize them. Go, you know, go make one of these highlights that people are posting on social media showing you go over the top of a guy and dominating him on the field. That is how you get even with the player, uh, not by punching him with the closed fist in the helmet. That's not... Not extremely smart. So, you know, rookie mistakes from Jalen Hurd, uh, you know, but he's obviously trying to be physical. So that is something you like. Also something you get worried about. Hopefully he cleans that up. The veterans, you know, the coaches get to him and like, hey, don't fight, you dummy. But be physical and take it to that point without being stupid. And yes, block the hell out of the other team by all means. Time to step aside. More Locked On 49ers coming up. We'll get into the mailbag a little bit and more details from the first weekend at 49ers training camp. Are you losing sleep at night over your unfiled tax returns or the large amount you owe the IRS or any other state tax agency? Does it feel like you're trapped and that these tax problems will never go away? Are you worried the IRS will garnish your bank account or your wages? Be free and put these tax problems behind you. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax resolution specialist. Greg's Tax Service has been in business for over 25 years and is passionate about helping clients resolve their tax issues and get them all the deductions and credits they are entitled to when preparing their tax returns. Call or text Greg's Tax Service at 925-778-4871 to set up an appointment to find out the best options available to free you from your tax problems. Again, that's 925-778-4871 or make an appointment online at gregstaxservice.com. And if you qualify, they can help you settle with the IRS for less than the full amount you owe. Remember, Greg's Tax Service for all your tax needs. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax advocate standing up and defending the rights of taxpayers. Overall, it sounds like the defense is ahead of the offense, according to most reports, and that's not surprising. That's usually standard for the early part of training camp, and just defenses are simple. Athletes can just go after it and get it done, and offense needs a lot more time to come together and gel and and so many moving parts, and it's just more difficult, more difficult scheme. Everything's going to be a little bit tighter on offense and So uh, right now, defense is ahead if you're keeping score in 49ers camp, and it's probably the same throughout most of the league and most camps uh, in 49ers history as well. It's just the way it is. And I think one of the most promising, and I put that question out on Twitter to those 
of you folks for the mailbag. I just wanted to hear what your best and worst thoughts are so far and, and continue those on through Wednesday and even into next week. I want to hear what you guys think about camp and what storylines are important and what you love hearing about, what is a little bit concerning to you. But I think one of the the best things, we talked about who's on PUP, and they said they were going to bring Jimmy Garoppolo along slow in teamwork. He's not going to play in the first preseason game. Same with Quan Alexander. But Matt Barrows reported that Alexander did take part in 11 on 11 drills, and it was hard to tell that he was coming off of an ACL injury. So I think that's fantastic news for the linebacking core. And Quan Alexander is either on or ahead of schedule with his ACL because he tore his ACL after Jarek McKinnon. So he's already doing 11 on 11 work. And I know, you know, he's not a running back, but still linebackers have to be able to move around. And so that's a great sign for Quan Alexander and Matt Barrows, who has an eye for talent, been doing this a long time. He says he can't even tell that it would be a guy that was coming off an ACL injury. So that's very good news for the 49ers and the linebackers. And of course, Quan Alexander. Akello Witherspoon made an interception at 49ers camp Sunday and almost had another one. And uh, reading Eric Crocker's camp report where he had his eyes focused on the defensive backfield, he really liked what he saw from Witherspoon. Wasn't perfect, but he was targeted quite a few times. And according to Rob Lauder of Niners Nation, Jimmy Garoppolo only completed 5 of 12 passes in 11-on-11 works. So uh, that's good to see those guys. And, of course, pads hadn't come on yet, so we'll learn a little bit more about these guys when the pads do come on because that's the most important time. And, of course, when they start taking on other teams, whether it's the Broncos in practices or in those preseason games, I think that'll be really important, obviously. But in shorts, to the start of camp, looks like uh, Witherspoon would probably be somebody who is a winner so far from the first couple of days. Richard Sherman being another one because he feels great and uh, it sounds like he might be moving around just a little bit better than he was last year, which is important. He's never going to be a blazer, but you know, with his mind and the way he plays, if he can not continue to regress athletically and even gain something back and gain a half a step back a couple of years removed from his Achilles injury, I think uh, that's pretty important. He had a nice breakup where he followed Jordan Matthews across the field on a crosser and dove in front of the ball and broke it up. Jordan Matthews, by the way, also called out by the head coach Kyle Shanahan for having a really good uh, camp so far and just a really good offseason since they brought him in. Basically, he said he's a, Jordan Matthews is exactly what they thought he was going to be, brings them some size that they didn't have, brings them a veteran presence, a really smart player, a tough player, a really hardworking player. So everything that he wanted to bring in, he found in Jordan Matthews, and he's going to be a guy that's going to compete. He didn't go ahead and say that he was uh, the starter or anything like that, but he uh, – he did put some praise onto Jordan Matthews for his work as uh, the most veteran wide receiver in camp. I guess Marquise Goodwin's actually been in the league longer by a year, right? Or maybe even two years longer than Jordan Matthews. Matthews was 2014. What year was Marquise Goodwin drafted? Yeah, Goodwin's 2013, one year ahead of Jordan Matthews. Matthews a second rounder, Goodwin a third rounder the year before in 2013. And another wide receiver who's sort of a veteran of the group now is third-year guy Trent Taylor, who's been having a pretty good camp so far, which is it's got to be helpful for Taylor. I mean, he already had a good start to his career. His rookie year fell off a little bit last year and had the back injury. But having a guy like Wes Welker, who is the epitome of the style of player that Trent Taylor is, have him as his position coach has to be helpful. Not a ton of reports about the offensive side of the ball, and obviously he's only a couple days into camp. Tevin Coleman, uh, up and down, reports of some big runs he made, but also putting the ball on the ground, which is a no-no. That's a definite no-no. So 
Uh, Tevin Coleman can't be fumbling the ball if he's going to be the the main back or at least partially the main back for the 49ers. So that's something to look out for. Going back to friend of the show, Eric Crocker's a report on the cornerbacks in camp. I mentioned Witherspoon and Richard Sherman earlier. He said Jason Verrett did look pretty healthy. He didn't uh, get tested a lot, so it was hard to see if he did anything special or if he's quite at the athletic level he was when he was a pro bowler. Uh, but DJ Reed was a standout. And DJ Reed getting work at outside cornerback, even though he's only 5'9 plus, which I think is pretty important. And I like that. Get the good players out where they belong. And I do like DJ Reed a lot better at cornerback than at safety. And it's nice that he has that in his back pocket in an emergency situation. He can go play safety for you. But I like him in the slot. And I like him outside too. He's he's a baller. And he's not a physically impressive guy, but he's strong. And he's pretty a technically sound player. So I like DJ Reed and I like him getting more of a look at cornerback. And I like Tarverius Moore, uh, conversely, getting more of a look at safety. Uh, Crocker didn't have as good of things to say about the rookie Tim Harris looking like a rookie out there. But again, uh, it's very early in the process here. So it's going to be fun to monitor these players as they go. And some players aren't going to show up and look as good until the pads come on, which I think is pretty important distinction for a lot of these guys, especially the ones who win with more power than speed. Speaking of winning with power, by all reports, Nick Bosa showed up day one and had a really good day, looking explosive, looking powerful, looking technically sound, having that burst. And uh, Joe Staley called his his great hips that he has, and he beat Staley a couple times. When you come in as a rookie, your first camp practice, and beat a veteran like Joe Staley, the best offensive lineman on the team, that's that's pretty important, and that's the stuff you hope you'd see from a player that you drafted number two overall like Nick Bosa. After day two camp practice, defensive coordinator Robert Sala talked about Nick Bosa and what it means with those hips and how he's looked so far since the 49ers selected him number two. Bosa wins in close quarters. Some like he needs, he wants you close to him as close as possible, uh, and then he just has ability, an ability to uh, flip his hips, get skinny, all in close quarters where most people need space so they can knock arms down and they can create uh, angles for themselves. But the closer, uh, which by was it Mike Tyson, the closer you got, the more trouble you were in. I mean, because he just loved to be in there tight. It's the same thing. He just gets in there tight, and then he can. Uh, work his body, hands, his hand-eye coordination, and all that is pretty good. So, uh, on the flip side, though, it's he's going to have to figure out how to win in space. Uh, as a rookie, uh, I guess he got Joe a couple times today, but Joe is a seasoned vet, and he's going to find out very quickly how O-linemen adjust in this league tomorrow when Joe stalemates him. So, uh, you know, it's uh, I know it's exciting for him, but he's he's still just a bobblehead running around until we get pads on. So it's. Uh, he'll get a chance tomorrow to to see his game and see where it evolves with Joe making his adjustments. But uh, but Bosa, he's got a chance to be great, but he's got to take every day and just understand that he's got to evolve his game. Otherwise, he'll figure it out real quick. Nick Bosa, good news there. Coming in as advertised as a player who looks like he's going to be a stud out of the gate and hopefully for a long time for the 49ers. Another rookie that's getting a lot of opportunity in camp so far is rookie linebacker Dre Greenlaw, the fifth rounder, getting a ton of reps in camp. And Robert Salas said that uh, mostly it's just because he's competing and he's going to be in competition with a bunch of guys for that Sam linebacker role. It's going to be Fred Warner in the middle. It's going to be Quan Alexander at weak side linebacker. And it's up in the air. 
about five dudes competing for some work at the Sam linebacker spot. I don't know if, and Robert Sala even said, we'll see what he looks like when the cat, the pads come on and he has to take on blocks. And that was what I saw on tape was his huge weakness. So I'm not surprised if he looks good in shorts because he has that athleticism. And even Robert Sala said, it's, you know, he's the nickel will is where they expect him to be. And then they'll see if he can hold up in uh, when the pads go on. So that's going to be a very interesting one. So uh, I hope we get some reports on that from camp when the pads do go on. See what Dre Greenlaw looks like taking on blocks and base downs and see if he really does have an opportunity as a rookie to win that Sam linebacker job. And we will hear more from Robert Sala after the break. And we'll get into the mailbag a little bit. I want to hear from what you guys liked and maybe didn't like from the early portion of camp. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra something, that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew like you chew it. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Let's go to the tweets. And Tony, he says, best development was Sala's press conference. I'm really excited for the new evolution of the cover three with so much position versatility plus four first round pick defensive linemen five tony five first round pick defensive linemen uh only four of them probably on the field at the same time at max and worst development of all he says is the richburg not being ready until week one uh, i definitely agree on that let's get to that solid press conference and i think the portion that tony's talking about that uh, might give 49ers fans a little excitement about how uh, Robert Sala maybe is looking at his own scheme and how he can improve it. From a nickel standpoint, the, the whole league has really gone to a one-back spread. I, I shouldn't say the whole league, but a majority of the league. And to be able to be more fluid between base and nickel where we're not as predictable in base, where in nickel we're a little bit more diverse, uh, to be able to have that fluidity so there's more carryover and crossover so we can play teams in base when they're in nickel if we need to. We can play teams in nickel if they're in base personnel if we need to. We can we can be more versatile from a personnel standpoint, uh, but keep the structure of our defense. And so the, the very small changes we made are really designed to utilize our personnel and to be able to create fluidity throughout the entire system so teams can't just jump in, in and out of personnel groupings to dictate what coverage we might be in. We can continue to dictate what coverage we're in like we have been able to do in nickel, if, if I'm making sense. Yeah. 
And Tony, I'm with you. I love hearing all of that and the fact that, and yeah, the predictability of it. So a team comes up against your defense is like, well, we know if we run this package, we know what they're going to run on defense and what personnel they're going to have. And we already know what our matchup is going to be and the advantage we're trying to get because of that. So if the 49ers can run out there in something different than maybe what that offensive coordinator is expecting and really thwart that attempt, I think is important and be able to be multiple on that defense and play big against the run. If you do have a nickel in there or, you know, cover the pass still, if you do have a little bit more of a base look and vice versa, or maybe, you know, basically the nickel is the new base is the way I look at it anyway. So you're kind of playing everybody at nickel and you go down to jumbo almost if you have to. And so that's an interesting development there. And the question that was asked of Robert Sala, where he gave that answer was specifically, you know, why are we seeing all of a sudden, a new front and a new linebacker grouping and a new wrinkle or new looks in the secondary. Why on all three levels are things starting to shift a little bit and possibly change for this defense that looked maybe a little bit different and maybe a lot different on paper when they hired him in 2017. So the ability to be able to realize when you have weaknesses and go fix those weaknesses and change your scheme, I think is important. And I think, Tony, you're right. That is a great sign for 49ers fans to hear Robert Sala vocalize that. And it's also just always great to hear Robert Sala not use a cliche or just to say, oh, we got to play faster and more violent. <laughs> because it's like, okay, I get it. You want to play fast, you want to play violent, but let's hear some specifics. Why? Uh, and so it was nice to hear that from Robert Sala early in this process. Judging by the responses on Twitter, uh, most people are a little bit worried about the Weston Richburg development, the fact that not only is he not ready to start camp, but it might be a week one situation, might miss all of the preseason. Uh, Stock Jaguar on Twitter says, had high expectations for Kentavia Street, but looks like I will have to let that go. Uh, I don't know. He asked for my thoughts on that, but I don't. I haven't seen anything either way with Kentavia Street. Did he have a bad day? I didn't see any bad reports about Kentavia Street. Literally, these are his first two training camp practices because he missed all of his rookie year. So I think we'll have to reserve judgment on Kentavious Street. Uh, I was not as uh, optimistic about his career, I think, as Stock Jaguar on Twitter was because Kentavious Street was somebody I thought would be sort of a rotational guy anyway. And I thought maybe coming off of an ACL that he was overdrafted to start with because I thought even without the ACL, he kind of went where maybe he was supposed to. And so he didn't really get the ACL discount built into uh, his draft position early in the fourth round last year. But you do still have to hold off and and reserve any judgments because he's just barely getting his first action. So we'll see what he looks like. And I assume he would look somewhat like a rookie uh, coming out as a fourth rounder in his first training camp. So we'll see what he looks like on the field when he gets some run. But he might be very deep on the depth chart just because of that depth we've been talking about and how good the 49ers defensive front is. And he's got a bunch of first round picks in front of him, And then a bunch of other guys who uh, have already had a chance to show that they're pretty talented as well. So he's not just going to jump in front of Ronald Blair or even Julian Taylor or DJ Jones or whoever name a guy. Uh, basically he's got to start at the bottom and work his way up. Henry loves that DJ Reed getting a shot to play some outside cornerback. I like that a lot. Gives 49ers added depth, especially with Verrett's injury history. Yeah, absolutely. The more you can do, get him comfortable to play outside and inside so he can do either one on game day as needed. And I think he could do both of them probably pretty well. A good depth piece in DJ Reed. I really like a DJ Reed as a player. 
Gotham says Trent Taylor and Richard Sherman are looking really good. I am excited. I was never too high on Jalen Hurd, and for a rookie to get involved in fights is never a good look. Just hope he doesn't get unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in the regular season. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much you can take of it. Was it just hot and he was mad, or, or was it not even his fault? What, what you know, were the DBs too sensitive? They're like, why are you blocking me? You know, that was that. You don't want that either. So if that's the case, it's like, dude, go to town. And so we don't really have the specifics on the fight yet. Definitely, it's a bad look going to the ground, throwing punches against your teammates on day two is is not smart. But that tends to happen at least once per camp, and uh, generally it starts to ramp up when you start practicing against. Other teams, you, you kind of take it easier on your own guy early. I mean, you're on, you're in shorts day two, and that's probably, that's the way I look at it too. So it was veterans, you know, Anton Exum was involved, I think, and Dante Johnson, guys that have been around the league a little bit. And I think it's more like they know what day two of training camp in shorts is all about. And he wasn't playing by the rules that everybody else just kind of knows now. You know, when you're in your, you have some really close friends, maybe you go out, you're sitting at the bar, and you're all tight. You know how things work. Maybe someone comes up that you just met and just jumps into the conversation and is like a little bit too, you know, a little bit too aggro in the conversation. It doesn't quite fit into the group. And you're like, wait, you know what, dude, just shut up, calm down, you know, work your way into the conversation naturally. Don't try to impose on everybody. And maybe that's the situation. Just like, a, a, you know, a, a welcome to the NFL almost moment for the rookie where it's like, look, on day two, we don't play like this. Now, tomorrow pads go on things ramp up. We play a little bit differently. We're going to hit you back and maybe hit you first. And so maybe that's what they were telling him. It's like, dude, day two, we don't do this on this day. This is not how it works. And we're trying to stay healthy. We're not trying to go to the ground and, and, and hurt each other on the second day of training camp. So I don't know. That's, that's my idea. That's my guess on, on the way how things work there with that fight. Sean says, honestly, I think the O-line group going up against such a dominant front line will play a huge advantage during the season. They prepare against the best, so maybe Jimmy G will be even that much better. And it can only help, I think, if you have a legitimate threat. You have, like, a beast, basically, on every starting spot on the front four that you're going up against. So you've got speed in D Ford coming off. You've got a power with some flexibility and burst that Nick Bosa possesses coming off the edge. So you, you get to see two very different things. You get to see, you know, an amazing fastball an amazing, an amazing curveball, amazing changeup. You know, you get to see all those things. And then you get the interior guys get to see a good nose tackle in DJ Reed or at least, or DJ Jones, at least a, a very powerful man, a guy that can, you know, lift a million pounds and similar with K Contavia street. So you get to see some power. You get to see an all world player, like that's that's huge, like uh, DeForest Buckner. So you get to see that unique style, and then you get to see a guy who's maybe smaller, shorter defensive tackle with more burst up the field when you get to go against Solomon Thomas. So you get to see a lot of different things. You get to see a lot of very talented players, and I agree that can only help your your offensive line in the long run. Drew wants to throw another shot at Trent Baalke. <laughs> he's not uh, he's not dead yet. Is the last run of the remaining bulky busts, Garnett, Ward, and Tart? None of them are dependable except to miss time injured. Yeah, and he's referencing Garnett, who's dealing with, uh, what is it, a finger? Dislocated finger? What did he have? He has some sort of a finger injury, so, you know, got pulled from practice. And Garnett's just never really been able to get, just never really been able to get his career on track. And even when he gets some time on the field, 
gets hurt, been out of shape. It's been just a little bit of everything with Joshua Garnett, and I, I got a feeling he's going to end up in another, another uniform. If he's if his career ever takes off, it's probably going to be in another uniform just because it just it's not working. It's just not he's not getting traction with the 49ers. And yeah, that's sort of the last of the the bulky busts, I think, is is that draft. It was his last draft, but yeah, trading up in the first round for Joshua Garnett. It was an awful pick at the time and just looks equally bad or or worse even now. I thought he was at least going to be an okay player or, you know, a starter. I thought he was a third round guy, but even as a third rounder, you wouldn't like how Joshua Garnett's career has gone so far. Okay, we're out of time here. Some encouraging developments from the first couple of practices at 49ers camp and the pads go on. So we're really going to start to learn about the 49ers roster and watch things take shape leading up to the 2019 season. Okay, be back tomorrow. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL with myself and the scout, Matt Williamson. And I'll be back right here again tomorrow, breaking down more 49ers training camp. Right here on Locked On 49ers.